It's time to get informed and inspired. This is Saturday Morning Live, sponsored by Asset Advisors, LLC, at Linden Sheet Metal on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. KGMI and the Cascade Radio Group receive financial compensation to present this program in its entirety. Opinions and information expressed are those of the host and or sponsors and do not necessarily reflect those of KGMI or the Cascade Radio Group. Good morning and welcome to Saturday Morning Live. I'm Lyle Sorensen. Welcome to 2024. Here we go. You know, I start every show the same way because the months just fly by so quickly. You know, there's a lot going on. It's been a 2023 uh, was a very busy year. Um, it's it's been it's been eventful. It's been beautiful. It's been good. It's been great. And parts of it have been tragic. You know, public safety is one of those things that impacts all of us. And I don't know if you've been paying attention. I know if you drive downtown and you look around, you're going to see. Um, a plethora of, of street people and, and you know, it seems to be a, appears to be a growing population, um, you know, and it's, it's symptomatic of, of things that are going on. One of the things that really underpins a lot of what's going on is overdose. And Bellingham, Excuse me. Bellingham EMS typically responds. It's going to be one of those mornings, but we'll get it. Uh, EMS in Whatcom County typically responds to four or five overdoses a day in Whatcom County. Um, 62% of the time, the patient has been administered Narcan before the arrival of EMS. One of the things that we're seeing in a growing trend is that um, with the increasing strength of fentanyl and carfentanil um, and, you know, the stronger opiates, what we're seeing is that one dose of Narcan isn't getting the job done. Um, we're seeing three or four. Or there was one the other day that was seven. So seven doses of Narcan to block the impacts of the opiates that they've taken. Um, one of the things that happens um, and a lot of times if you're listening to a scanner or you're paying attention to things or you're talking to people, a lot of times the patient, uh, once the Narcan kicks in, they'll sit up, they'll stand up kind of angry and they'll leave. And it's, it's because I'm told that the opiate blockers make them immediately dope sick. So it blocks that fix that they need and it makes them sick. And so they run out seeking more drugs. Um, you know, it's a sad thing. And what's what's more tragic even, um, I spoke with the medical examiner's office yesterday afternoon. And currently, I don't know if any of you have a guess at home, poke each other and see if you got a guess of how many overdose deaths we had in Whatcom County this year. 132. So 132 overdose deaths. Um, you know, I really struggle with numbers. I hate numbers. You know why? It's really easy to depersonalize 
a number. Oh, well, it's a big number, but it's not that big of a number. Well, in 2022, for the entire year, we had 97. So we set a new record. Um, If you've seen the news, King County set a new record this year as well. They had 1,050 overdose deaths in Seattle. When we put that in terms of per capita, in in terms of population, uh, Seattle had about 44 overdose deaths per 100,000. Whatcom County, got a guess? Let me tell you. It's over 56 overdose deaths per 100,000. We are 27% higher here than Seattle for overdose mortality. So, you know, that's one of those things that, you know, you well, you know, it's not so bad. It's not as bad as that place over there. You know what? We can probably always find someplace worse. 100% granted, we probably can. Um, but we have to pay attention because the numbers don't care how we feel. They don't care if we're, if, oh, well, it's not that bad or they don't care. We have to take those and we have to use those as gauges. You know, and then the other thing that we've got to take a look at is how we're, what is success? Is, is success just administering more doses of Narcan so that people don't overdose, but they're going back and seeking more fentanyl or whatever their, whatever their opiate of choice is? Is, is that success? What is, what, what's success and what does that look like? And, and how, do we, how do we navigate this? On some levels, right, living to, living to die another day is, is a good thing. Um, you know, that person has another chance, another day, another opportunity to maybe make a choice or make a decision to, to be better. 676-5464-676-KGMI. I'm going to open the phone lines today. That's something I haven't done in about six months. And you know what? I, I'd love to hear from, hear from you all how you're feeling about about what's going on in the community. You know, what are next steps? What, what should the bar be? You know, what, what, should, what should the standard be? Um, you know, the voters, everybody approved a new jail. Um, that's great. Uh, we have a new sheriff now. Um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how things, how things roll out. In Whatcom County right now, we have between five and 10,000 outstanding warrants. Um, largely due to the fact that we don't have adequate incarceral capacity to to deal with those. I, I don't know if most people understand, but a warrant is issued by a judge in a court. And it's not a request. It's not a suggestion. It's actually an order. It is a court order for law enforcement to go find that person and bring them before the judge. We have between five and 10,000 of those. Um, Whatcom County has over 2,500. The city of Bellingham's in that same range. And then I'm not sure what the small cities have, but that's all in addition to um, over 5,000 that the city and the county have. That's a problem. It doesn't make our community safer. It doesn't help those individuals to understand that the law matters that those things that they're charged with are important. What messages, what messages are we sending? How is it compassion to ignore 
if we're going to have laws, or maybe, or should we do away with them? Maybe we should do away with laws. What do you think? Should we make it legal? Just walk in and take what you want? You know what? If somebody's got something and you think you need it more than they do, that's all right. Go ahead. Do we do that? I don't think so. Um, so if, if we're going to have laws on the books, then we need to enforce them. There need to be meaningful consequences in a timely fashion. Because otherwise what happens is we send the message and it's, this is the word on the street. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you do because nothing's going to happen. And that's been the case. 676-KGMI, 676-5464. We can talk about fentanyl. We can talk about crime. We can talk about solutions. You know what? I know a lot of people are like, well, everybody complains, but there's never a solution. I would love if you're one of those people. I want to hear what you have to say. 676-5464, 676-KGMI. We'll be right back. Cash in on nostalgia. Barron's historic payback program is back and bigger than ever. Heating, cooling, and more. Save on everything Barron installs. Get $100 towards your new purchase for each year of your equipment's age. That's right. The older the equipment, the more you'll save. So many things get better with age. But unfortunately, your water heater isn't one of them. Until now. During Barron's payback program, you can earn up to $500 on a water heater replacement. And Barron will double that discount for tankless. Spoiler alert. Two lucky customers win free installations, including the customer with the oldest furnace. Heating, cooling, and more. Save on everything Barron installs. Get $100 towards your new purchase for each year of your equipment's age. Good things come to those who wait, but don't wait too long. Call today. Barron's payback program is happening now through January 31st. Barron, your full-service HVAC electrical and plumbing contractor. Our mission, improving lives. No purchase necessary. Visit barronheating.com for details. There's something magical in the air. Melt away the winter blues this January with a share of $50,000 in prizes. Join the fun every Friday with hourly hot seat drawings from 4 to 8 p.m. It might be cold outside, but these seats are blazing hot. You know what they say, snow time like the present for a little snow money. The results are in, and you voted us best casino and best stake in the Northwest. Thank you all for your support. Silver Reef Casino Resort, located off I-5 exit 260. We've got that. What does your dream getaway have? Luxury hotel rooms, elegant suites, and relaxing spa? We've got that. World-class Wine Spectator Award-winning Steakhouse? We've got that. Washington's premier golf destination? We've got that. How about the newest slots, table games, and exciting promotions? Oh, yeah, we've got those, too. Visit Silver Reef Casino Resort and hit the getaway jackpot. Silver Reef Casino Resort, located off I-5, exit 260. We've got that. The opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of KGMI or the Cascade Radio Group. That's what I'm talking about. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Live. I'm Lyle Sorensen. We're talking about public safety today. You know, it's just sad. It's so tragic. Have we become so numb? Have we become so immune? Is is what we see, is what we're experiencing, is this going to be our new normal? You know, we have some decisions to make in terms of how are we going to how are we going to deal with with some of these issues you know a new jail was approved and the 
and it's and it's a great proposal because it's balanced. It's a combination of jail and services, which is super important. The facilities we have right now, we do not have the capacity. We do not have the space. We do not have what we need, not only to service the size of our community, but we don't have enough to service our guests adequately. You know, right now, if you go to the Whatcom County Jail and you have an addiction, guess what? You get a substitute called Subutex. And what Subutex is for is to keep you from going into withdrawal because we don't have the staffing or the, or the space to safely guide someone through withdrawal or through detox. That's a problem. You know, that, is that compassionate? Probably not. Probably not. I, I would say that that is not compassionate. I would probably say that's not even really all that responsible. But that's where we are. You know, I, I think that the next challenge, we've approved the sales tax to pay for a new jail. The council's agreed on a location for a new jail. So those are two really good steps. I think over this next year now, we're going to be talking about things like, well, how big do we really need? And, you know, what kinds of, what, what's that service component look like? How's, how's this going to work? You know, we need to be extremely, extremely, extremely realistic when, when we size things. You know, we like to tell ourselves these neat little stories that it doesn't matter. You know, it's not kind. It's not nice to, to jail somebody for a crime. And you know what? I'm in favor of diversion. I'm in favor of drug court. I'm in favor of a lot of things because here's what I believe. The challenges that we face in our community right now require more than or solutions. See, what happens is, is we get really polarized and there are people who are dead set against, against incarceration. In fact, there are some people who think it should be abolished. So what we've got, and then we've got people who are very pro services and give people stuff and help them to be better. And the truth of the matter is the functional solution lies somewhere in the middle. What we need to start finding in our community in terms of public safety, in terms of the drug challenges that we face are and solutions. It's not this or that. It's going to take this and that. Not one or the other. It's going to take all of the above. And the quicker that we can wrap our heads around that as a community and understand that it's, it's not just this way or just that way, it's going to be this way and that way. Because, you know what, somebody will, what people will tell you is not everything always works for everybody. And, you know, that's great if your lived experience said that, but that doesn't line up with my, my theoretical ideological position. So that's just anecdotal. It's just not the way it is. You know, the last functional needs assessment that was conducted by a third party in Whatcom County was in 2013. And that 2013 report that we paid for 
said that Whatcom County needs 650 jail beds to service our population. Are you sitting down? Through 2026. Welcome to 2024 when we have about 300. We have about half. 300, 325 is about our max capacity. You wonder why we have booking restrictions? Because we have half the capacity that the experts told us that we were going to need. Wrap your head around it. We have between five and 10,000 outstanding warrants right now in Whatcom County. And we're trying to function with half of the incarceral capacity that the experts said that we would reasonably need. That's through 2026. We will not have a new facility ready till 2028 or 2029. Um, so if we were to build 650, we would probably li- very likely be over capacity. Incarceration Reduction Prevention Task Force, the folks who've been working on a lot of this stuff, want to reduce the amount of incarceration. I'm not against that. Like I, like I stated a while ago, diversion's important. Drug court's great. These programs are fantastic, but we cannot use alternative diversionary programs as a rationale to decrease capacity. Because you know what the dirty little secret is? If I take diversion... And I go through drug court and I decide, you know what? I don't feel like doing that this week. I don't think so. And I'll, I'll tell you, I was listening to an interview with a fellow from Whatcom County yesterday who was talking about drug court and talking about how effective that was and how the accountability that's built into that, never knowing when your UA is going to get called and all those things helped him to stay clean and helped him to work through the program. But what happens, what happens when that doesn't happen? What happens when somebody decides, well, I can get away with it. Oh, I don't need to, you know, I'm tired of this. This is, this is a drag. I was, I was talking with a judge and what the judge, he was a retired judge, but what the judge told me is this. He goes, you know, those programs work really well when you can send them for a weekend vacation in our local uh, constabulary hotel. When you, when you can send them to the jail for the weekend or for a week, it reminds them what they're diverting from. So you can't use diversionary alter, alternates as a rationale for reduction of capacity because if you don't have the capacity, once people learn, it's human nature, just like, just like a little kid. Like if I tell my daughter, Honey, if you don't quit that, you're going to get time out. And I say that 27 times and she never gets time out. Guess what? I'm building a little terrorist. She's going to be a, she's the sweetest thing in the world, but she's going to turn into a sassy mouthy little thing because when dad says something, it doesn't mean anything. It's the same thing. You know, sometimes you can use the same techniques. A good friend of mine likes to use this example and I love to steal it says, if I take a stainless steel tube and I sharpen the end of it and I stab you with it, that's assault. It's attempted murder. That's a horrible thing. But if I take that same sharpened stainless steel tube 
and I insert it into your lung and use it to reinflate your lung, it's not assault or attempted murder or anything bad, but it's the exact same action. That's where we've got to go. We've got to learn to look at this and say, it, it, it feels a little mean and maybe it sounds a little tough, but at the end of the day, is it going to save the patient? Those are the things that we've got to start coming to grips with and wrapping our heads around and understanding and realizing, you know, the, the metric can't be, does it sound good and make me feel better? Because I, I'll tell you right now, everything's not going to make sound good and it's not going to make you feel better. But at the end of the day, do we care about saving people's lives? Do we care about having a safe community or do we just want to feel better? You know, is it, is it really compassion to let someone rack up 10 or 20 or 30 misdemeanors with no consequence? You know, they just got a big string of warrants. And, you know, half the time I can tell you that people get picked up and they've got a string of warrants. And you know what happens? They're booked and released because we don't have capacity and apparently what they did doesn't qualify them for a seat in the county in the county hotel because or a bed in the county hotel because we don't have room so we're prioritizing you know i i i hear conversations and i engage in a lot of dialogue and a lot of things with people and one of the one of the things i hear is oh well we've been sending everybody to jail for years it doesn't work that's not that's not true i challenge you if you think that Go through the jail roster. Go on, go online, put in Whatcom County Sheriff's Department, Whatcom County Jail. You can see who's in the jail and you can see what their charges are. Do that and get back to me. It's, it's not a place you would want to spend the weekend right now. Um, you know, if you haven't toured the jail, you should check in and see if maybe you can get a tour. Um, Check out the work center, too, because it was built as a minimum security work release facility, and it's not. It's, it's being used for medium security, but it's configured as minimum security. The social needs and interactions are completely different between the guests at those two levels. So you don't want to put 30 people in a tank in medium security, because that's a recipe for trouble. But that's what it's like. Um, it's not. It's not pretty. Our, our jails are not pretty. They aren't safe. They aren't compassionate. Wow! What a depressing twenty twenty four. Oh my gosh! You're listening. <laughs> you're listening to Saturday Morning Live. I'm Lyle Sorensen. Six seven six KGMI. Six seven six five four six four. If I got you fired up or got you depressed, give me a call. We'll be right back after the break. This is Dick Donahue with Asset Advisors, and I'm sharing with you a very exciting announcement. I have made the decision to rejoin LPL Financial Services. I originally joined what was then Private Ledger in December of 1981 as one of about 300 representatives. I rejoin them now with over 21,000 representatives, over $1.3 trillion under management, and LPL is now part of the S&P 500 Index. In addition to discussing the latest financial news each week on Wealth Wake Up here on KGMI, I will share with you some reasons for this decision. 
Please join us at 11 a.m. each Saturday for our live Wealth Wake Up show or our 9 a.m. show on Sunday mornings here on KGMI. The opinions voiced in this show, program, podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable to you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision. My daughter, she's six years old now, well, soon to be. She's, she's, she's a go-getter, man. She has a, she's a boss lady. I have her operating some of her little businesses, candy business, and she loves it. Daddy, daddy, um, let's go to work. Let's go see if we need to fill up the machines with candy and let's collect my money because I want to go to Disneyland. <laughs> Beautiful. I love the little girl. I like her heart. She'll come in and she'll offer lunch to the employees. And then she'll come to me and be like, hey, Dad, need your credit card. <laughs> you know what? It's something that I would do myself. So I have no problem. Here's the credit card, honey. Go buy the, the sales guy some lunch. And that's what she does. She comes in here and she pretends she owns the place. And matter of fact, she does. But it's fun. It's fun to see her develop her leadership at an early age. Xavier Cortez is the owner of Bellingham Nissan part of the Cortez Auto Group. Tuning into the high school football game. Monitoring the incoming storm. They say what I think, but smarter. Catching your favorite talk show. These are just few of the reasons more than 80 million Americans depend on AM radio. And AM radio is the backbone of the emergency alert system, keeping you and your family safe in dangerous times. Visit wearebroadcasters.com to learn more and tell us how you depend on AM radio stations like KGMI. The latest local news and important topics of the day from the West Mechanical Studio. No gimmicks, just the highest quality systems, 0% interest financing, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Rely on West Mechanical Heating, Air Conditioning, and Electrical. Contact them today at westmechanical.net. Get the latest news and information 24-7 with KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. CBS News Brief. Gaza residents say Israeli tanks are moving south, targeting refugee camps where it says Hamas is operating. CBS's Ian Lee reports from near Gaza. Israel continues to expand its war in Gaza. According to the U.N., nearly two million Palestinians have now been displaced from the fighting. More huge waves are expected in California after massive surf Thursday brought flooding and damage. Dan Roundtree lives in, lives in Ventura. Washed down the street like it was a river that turned and went into our complex and flooded it completely. So we're all trying to recoup. More than 120 people were rescued when the ice floe they were fishing on in northern Minnesota broke off. Nicole Biaggi is with the Department of Natural Resources. It's really not uncommon in the sense that it does happen from year to year that people go out there and the ice breaks away and we have to rescue them. CBS News Brief, I'm Wendy Gillette. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Live. I'm Lyle Sorensen. We're talking about all sorts of fun stuff. 676 KGMI 676-5464. We haven't had the phones open in quite a while. If you'd like to chime in, if you'd like to comment, if you'd like to tell me I'm full of it, I'd welcome that too. I'm sure there's a few of you that would. But anyway, you know, we were talking about incarceral capacity. We're talking about compassion. We're talking about drug overdose deaths. We're, I, 
it still boggles my mind. If over 56 per 100,000, 27% higher than Seattle, than King County. You know, and that's what, that's what makes things, puts them into perspective. People go, oh, well, you're just trying to blow up the numbers. I'm like, no, I'm not trying to blow up the numbers. We have to use the standard of measurement, the common denominator that, that's used so that we can gauge how we're doing. How are we doing as a community, right? You know, and, and when we get into that aspect, you know, at the beginning of the show, we were kind of talking about that. We were talking about goals. We're talking about, you know, what's a, what's a great metric? Is, is a great metric to just reduce the amount of death? So um, there are some bills right now in the legislative session that are coming out. One is to um, have Narcan available in every high school. Right now, it's only required in high schools uh, that are greater than 2,000. So there's a bill to do that. Okay, that's, that's fine. You know, I think a bigger question, though, is why do we have kids overdosing on fentanyl in our high schools? What in the world? Seriously. That is messed, man. That is totally messed up. That's my opinion, obviously. And, you know, there's lots of disclaimers at the front of the show, so I'm not really worried about it. I'm happy to share that, though. That is messed up. I know that there are high schools in Whatcom County that have had some fentanyl overdoses in the schools, in the hallways. What in the world? So, so what's success? Success is just getting more Narcan and keeping people from dying. So we're going to give them some nasal spray. We're going to make them dope sick. And then they're going to go get some more. Is that success? You know, at what point do we intervene? You know, we're going to have... It's, it's, this is an and problem. It's not this or that. It's not, it's, you know, is, is harm reduction, is safe use a best practice? It's only a, I would, I would assert that it's a stopgap. I would assert that safe use certainly shouldn't be the destination. Um, Narcan. Naloxone, giving somebody, giving somebody some spray and getting them back, you know, so they can live to die another day. Those are temporary measures. Those aren't addressing the issue. They aren't addressing the problem. Is it, is it enough just to provide more treatment options, more, more in, in that realm? Uh, there are a couple bills out there that are going to fund um, education, education in our high schools about drugs. I haven't seen the details for those yet. I don't know what kind of education. Are we going to teach kids safe use or are we going to do prevention education like say nope to dope, right? You know, some of us who've been around remember drug, remember DARE, drug abuse resistance education. Is that what we're going to do? I hope it is. You know, I hope we're going to educate our kids if we're going to spend money on this. Because I'll tell you right now, and there are people who are going to not like me, and I don't care. The best time to stop is before you start. 
you know, sometimes the most profound things are the most Captain Obvious things, right? I mean, that's really a Captain Obvious kind of statement. The best time to stop is before you start. You know, and that could save your life. You know, it, it just, you know, and, and I, I get a lot of conversation about people and they say, well, this is all based on trauma. It's all based on childhood trauma. It's, it's all these things and life trauma and experiences. And I don't think I've talked to anybody in life who hasn't experienced some sort of trauma in their life, in their childhood at some point. I used to work with youth. One of my hobbies, one of the things that I really like to do, excuse me, I'm getting a little hoarse. One of the things I really liked to do when I met a kid was, as you got to know him, try to guess what, what their home life was like, what their experience was, where they came from, what they, you know, what their, what their foundation was. What I really quickly learned was that there were some of the most amazing kids that you would ever meet, and you would never guess that they came from a nasty, traumatic, messed up place. You'd never guess it because this was like, these were like straight A kids and athletes and all these things, and their home life was a wreck. They had trauma, they had everything that you could put on the list that you would say causes bad outcomes. And then you would have kids who were a mess and you'd try to guess, oh, I bet they come from a bad home. No, you got Ward and June Cleaver coming in to talk about what to do with their kids. So what you learn is this. At about age 10, somewhere in there, maybe a little earlier, maybe a little later, depending on the kid, kids start to make choices. They choose associations who they're going to hang out with, which if, if you're in the treatment world and you're in that kind of world, you know that association is critical. If you're in, in, in active recovery, you know that association is critical. Kids start to actually make those choices like when they're 10. They start to choose what crowd they're going to hang around with. They're going to start to choose their identity, sort of, you know, where they fit in this world, all these things. You know, as parents, we can set some boundaries. We can throw some bumpers in the gutters and hope to hope to help keep them out. We can lay some strong foundations and some communications. But ultimately, at the end of the day, individuals make choices about what they're going to do with their life, about who they're going to hang out with, about about all those things. You know, that sounds a little bit, that sounds a little bit fatalistic, maybe a little bit, well, it's out of our hands. You know, we've got to do the best that we can. We've got to have the tools. We've got to help kids know, hey, that's not the solution. That's the beginning of bigger problems. You know, and as, as we've become more permissive in our society, it's kind of like, oh, it's okay. You know, it's not a big deal. I, I disagree. You know, legalizing substances, you know, if, if, you're, if you're an adult, what you choose to do is on you. But I think that we model and we send messages a lot of times that, well, it's not that big of a deal. It's, it's okay. It's legal. You know, 
if you've ever been around someone who suffers from drug-induced schizophrenia, it's pretty interesting. It's more interesting when they're teenagers. You know, there's, there's a phenomenon with teenage boys, and I've, I've seen this firsthand with peers and um, kids of friends and other things. Because your brain is still developing, because of the psychoactive nature of the drug, of, we'll just say pot, because of the psychoactive nature, when you use that when you're young and your brain's developing, it either depends on who you talk to and who you listen to, and I don't know if they really know, but it can trigger schizophrenic symptoms, and those don't really go away. I grew up with a guy who's on psychotropics to this day, you know, and he started with his big brothers when he was, I don't know, he was 11, maybe, you know, ruined his life. Is it worth it? Just because you can doesn't mean you should. 676-KGMI, 676-5464. We'll be right back. You love what you find at Wilson's. Your living room is looking pretty good, but there's something missing in that corner. It's time for a trip to Wilson's. Wilson's Furniture will have dozens of great-looking accent chairs to choose from, and one is bound to be perfect for your room. And right now, with winter sale pricing, that chair will look even better. Wilson's Furniture in Ferndale. Start off the new year with the resolution to get a better night's sleep. And Wilson's Furniture has one of the largest selections of mattresses in the Northwest. Memory foam, pillow top, inner spring, and adjustable in a wide range of firmness levels that guarantee you'll find the perfect mattress for you. All at winter sale pricing. Wilson's open seven days a week. Family room, living room, bedroom, or kitchen. If one or more of the rooms in your house needs a new look, then look to Wilson's Furniture to help you out. And with winter sale pricing, Wilson's will help you get the look for any room just the way you want it. And at a price that will make you happy. Wilson's on Pacific Highway in Ferndale. Hello folks, this is Elder Law Attorney Phil George, the host of The Aging Hour, right here on KGMI every Saturday and Sunday at 1 p.m. and the founder of Safe Harbor Legal Solutions. I have good news for you. We are having a live seminar at the new Holiday Inn and Suites over by the airport in Bellingham at 11 a.m. on Saturday, the 13th of January. Don't let another year go by without giving your family the peace of mind that comes with a comprehensive estate and retirement plan. Come out, get your questions answered, and learn how to set your family up for success in your retirement. Reserve your spot today at www.safeharborlegal.com. We don't have the usual traffic jams that they have in the big city, but sometimes things happen to snarl everything up. Depend on KGMI to keep you cruising to your destination with KGMI traffic alerts. We'll tell you where the trouble spots are. And if you see problems on the road, give us a call at 360-676-5464 so we can spread the word. KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM, and KGMI.com. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Live. I'm Lyle Sorensen. I'm just kind of hashing it over, talking, talking about a lot of different stuff this morning. The crazy thing is that all of these issues are interconnected. They're intertwined. They're interrelated. That's why we need and solutions. It's not all this way or all that way. It's going to take all of us working together with every tool that we have. Some of them, certain ones of us aren't going to like. Um, 
but that's what it's going to take. Talking with um, some of our legislative representatives and things, they're expressing grave concern about these issues over the next couple of years because we haven't peaked yet. The numbers are still rising. If you look at our local numbers, they're rising month over month, year over year. The numbers are rising. If you if you look at last if you look at last year on the EMS um, report on the county EMS, the highest quarter was three hundred and thirty some uh, overdose responses. The highest in twenty two. That has now become lower than the norm. It literally has trended up every quarter is that or more. This isn't going away. This isn't in decline. This isn't, oh, let's just wait it out and it'll get better. This isn't that. We have not reached peak fentanyl yet. Bob, what do you got? Good morning, Lyle. Good morning. Yeah, interesting uh, topic and discussion. Uh, I know that uh, historically, uh, if you look across the nation and you go back, say, into the 60s and 70s when uh, drugs were kind of starting to come in in a greater quantity, there was uh, a lot of different ways they tried to address it. One of the ways was uh, there was a fella, David Wilkerson, uh, from Pennsylvania, and he went to New York City and uh, started to talk to the the gang members there to try to get them out of that. That That was Teen Challenge. Yes, exactly. And um, Teen Challenge, if you look at the history of Teen Challenge and its recivity rate, I think that's the word that you use for it. Recivitism. Yes. The people that go through that system, it's a very, I think it's one of the highest ones in the nation for people who stay off of drugs or stay out of bad situations and who become productive members of society. And it's, it's a faith-based system. And I, I think something like that we should uh, have in our county. Uh, in fact, I've known of counties where the judge actually sentences the person to go to Teen Challenge. That's how much they believed in the system. Yeah, I believe the, near, there, I believe there's a center in Vancouver, B.C. and another one down in King <laughs> County currently are the yeah. ones that come to mind. Yeah, and I think something like that. I had roommates that were that were graduates of the, of the system. I was a faithful uh, contributor and attender at meetings to encourage these uh, these people who were going through that system, and it was it was a beautiful thing. Well, uh, and, and that's that's awesome. You know, I think part of the success, obviously, there's a spiritual and a faith component to that that's really powerful. But you know. Yes. The other thing about that particular program is they detox you and get you through withdrawal, but you feel the pain. And I believe that that discomfort, that experience of, oh, my gosh, that was a little rough. I don't want to do that again. Mm-mm. I think I think that's an effective component. Well, it helps them reach rock bottom, right? A lot of people have to come to the end of themselves before they can live anew or afresh, or they have to come, they have to be broken um, before they could be fixed. Well, so, uh, so here's an interesting question for you. Mm-hmm. You mentioned bottom. Do we actually let people get on the bottom? Do we let them get cold enough, sick enough, wet enough, hungry enough, miserable mm-hmm. enough 
tired enough of their existence, or do we give them just enough so they can bounce along six inches off the bottom for forever? <laughs> That's an interesting, interesting point. I mean, there's a hopefully a humane way of doing that, but they definitely do have to. Uh, they definitely have to. Uh, yeah, exactly. They have to come to the end of themselves. Well, um, and, but but are we literally killing people with compassion? I mean, I think that's a question that we all need to ask ourselves too. Don't get me wrong; I'm not I'm not for cutting everybody off and being you know mean and inhumane. But but we have to ask that we have to ask that question because by helping someone, are we truly helping them? Or are we make are or are we assuaging our guilt? Are we making our heart feel better? It makes me feel good because I'm helping that person over there. But are we really helping them, or are we hindering their journey? Yeah, if it's if it's not if you're not putting them into a system or a, uh, I mean, we used to have insane asylums or not insane asylums. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, we did. <laughs> it's okay. North, I, I mental know. mental health, mental hospitals. Yeah, Northern and, and State those- Hospital. And they should be they should be run maybe not necessarily by the state. That's probably why they closed them. They're so inefficient. I'm sorry, I'm avoiding your question. I guess no, that's all right. This, but uh, but but if we got those back and it was faith based or it was at least funded by people who of compassion that let them go through this detox and feel the pain, but yet have doors or a place for them to go to to you have know, this done. You bring up a really interesting point because a lot of people don't realize Northern State Hospital in Cedar Woolley. I've done quite a bit of research on it. And were there some bad things that happened there? Yes. Did they were a lot of them though were best practices for the time. Okay. So there were some there were some things that we wouldn't do now that were regular practice in the mental health field back in the twenties, thirties, forties, whatever. Right. Right. You know, and ultimately those were closed down because they were abused. The system was abused, you know, like you know, somebody would pay off a judge because he wanted to get rid of his wife because he had a girlfriend. So she's crazy. Throw her in the <laughs> nut house, right? Or, or man, mom and dad. You know, maybe mom and dad had a were hanging around too long, and the kids wanted their inheritance, and so mom and dad are crazy. And seriously, those are the kind of abuses that actually led to the reforms in the '80s, where we shifted very much away from that. If you if you take a look, a lot of these hospitals were closed during that time period. Um, it's when the involuntary commitment laws got extremely tough, right? So right now it's very tough. And I find it an interesting, interesting thing too, because as my day job, I'm a real estate broker. I, if I sense that somebody is impaired or in cognitive decline to the point that they really aren't fully capable and I, and I have them sign a contract I can lose my license for that. Um, but yet the involuntary commitment laws actually, and this, this ties in, I'm glad you brought up the hospitals because it really ties in with the problems that we have today. It's very tough to get an involuntary on someone, you know, and if, if someone comes to me and they're impaired, either really drunk or really high or whatever their thing is, I can't let them sign a contract, but yet they can make life or death decisions for themselves in an impaired condition. Mm. What in the world? We've got these really weird paradigms that are set up. We've got these dichotomies 
to protect the individual. But again, back to my earlier, some of my earlier points, is that compassion and are we really protecting them? Mm-hmm. You know, we've got some really tough questions, really tough things that we're going to have to grapple with. Northern State Hospital was amazing, though. Most people don't know. They had a sawmill. They had a dairy farm. They had a steam plant. Um, they had greenhouses. They had all this thing. It was it was like, and and people worked, right? Mm-hmm. If you went there, mm-hmm. if you were capable, you chose a job. You wanted to work with the cows. You wanted to work with the other animals. You wanted to work in the greenhouses. You wanted to do horticulture. You wanted to do gardening, whatever the thing was. And interestingly, the DSM manual still calls out work as one of the most effective modalities for psychosis and schizophrenia. Wow. They had something right. And it was fairly self-sufficient. I mean, it was a pretty cool deal. And I think I think it even helps all of us who don't have psycho, uh, you know, <laughs> to stay busy with one work, you know, to I enjoy think, the I think, of your labor. I yeah. think we're all crazy at some level. You know, <laughs> the way the way things are progressing now, everything becomes a disorder. You know, yeah. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit one of my soapboxes since since we're here and we're just kind of chatting. I hate the term substance use disorder. And yeah. I'll, I'll tell you why. It takes away a person's agency. It takes, mm-hmm. I can't help it. I have substance use disorder. Do you? You know, you may, you may have a predisposition that give, to have an addictive personality, but you still have personal responsibility and agency, right? Yeah. And I, I just, you know, when we, when we make these things medical and it's like, well, they can't help it. They have substance use disorder. I, I struggle with that. Maybe I'm just old and grumpy. I don't know, but that kind of, <laughs> that kind of stuff's crazy. I think history stands behind your thoughts. So uh, there's enough, uh, there's enough uh, data and, and, and organizations and things that have happened uh, in our country's history that shows that that people can be reformed if, if given you know a graceful a graceful help that they need and and uh, to get them become uh, productive members of society again it's it's there it's just that we we don't want to I, I don't know why we were ignoring what was useful in the past it was barbaric mm-hmm. uh, yeah it's, yeah it's not enlightened come on Bob yeah, yeah exactly Quit it. <laughs> Quit, quit going back to that old history. You got to look ahead. Got to be progressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry it's that way. <laughs> you know, Bob, I appreciate your call. Um, and I, I like the team challenge idea. If you still have any contacts in that world, you should reach out and see if they'd be interested in doing something in Bellingham. I will say Lighthouse Mission actually graduates about 30 people clean and sober every year. So, you know, that's that's good. You know, it's it's making a dent, but we got a lot more to go. Yeah, Slyle, I agree. Sir, have a great day. Bless you day. too. Thanks for your call. Yeah. All right, everybody. We're running out of time. They're starting to wave at me. I think there's going to be some music playing here in a minute. Look, it's really important right now. I know that everybody thinks, hey, we voted for a new jail. The problem's solved. There's There's no more conversation. There's nothing more to work on. I want to encourage you to stay involved. I want to encourage you to pay attention. Show up at the the city and county council meetings. Let them know your thoughts. Give them your input. Stay involved. It's going to take all of us working together. It's not this or that. It's going to be this and that. You've been listening to Saturday Morning Live. Hope I didn't put you to sleep. We'll see you next month.